No, for the next few weeks, we are going to look at the idea of blessing. We're going to look at the idea of God's blessing. You know, blessing is an often misunderstood, miscommunicated idea. And so it brings a lot of confusion when you start talking about the idea of being blessed or living blessed or what it means to be blessed or, or, or that kind of thing. So we're going to talk about that over the next six weeks or so. We're going to look at uh, just a couple of passages of Scripture that really deal with this idea and what it means. And, and, and for a lot of us, this idea of blessing is what drives us, Right. We, we, we think that blessing is something that we attain or achieve by working harder or making more money or gathering more stuff. And that means that we are then blessed with more things. We've been blessed. God's blessed us. And God does bless us through a lot of those kind of ways. But, but when we look at the idea of what the, the real purest idea of blessing looks like, I think it's, it's, it's easy for us to maybe sometimes distort that with what culture has kind of turned that phrase to mean. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to look at this idea. We'll, we'll jump all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and really try to get a full picture of what it means to be blessed. But it is the first Sunday of the year, uh, officially. And so we're going to drop back to the first chapter of the Bible. So if you got your Bibles, you can flip with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're going, it's going to be up on the screens. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to bring a Bible if you can. If not, we have some available at our Next Steps table that you can, you can have um, we'd love to, to have that, give that free gift to you. But Genesis chapter 1 is the beginning of the story of God's interaction with humanity. The beginning of that chapter obviously starts with the creation of the world. And uh, out of chaos, God forms this, this, the, the earth that we live on. And he forms the things of the earth and the heavens and the earth. And then uh, later in chapter 1, he forms man and woman in his own image. And it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, God blessed them and said. And we're going to tell you in just a little while what he actually said, but God blessed them. And the first thing that I want you to see, and this is going to be on the screen, is that God's blessing happened between two things. It happened post-creation, but it happened pre-habitation. All right, now that's, that rhymes because it just rhymes. I didn't mean for it to. But it, it happened, God's blessing here in Genesis 1, 28 happens post-creation. So God has created all the things that we see, and, and, and he says that they're good and that they're very good. And so that's incredible. But this happens kind of pre-habitation. This really happens before man really begins to live in and inhabit the earth that God created for him. Right. And so the reason that I think that is important and we're going to deal with this for, for most of the remainder of our time is that we need to understand that from the very beginning, God blessed his people. Right. So God's original intent and action from the beginning was to bless us. Now, later in this story, you're going to see Adam and Eve and you're going to Genesis chapter two really unpacks the the creation of of the things of earth and, and the creation of mankind. And we see Adam and Eve. And then later in in chapter three, we're going to see the sin. We're going to see them eat of the fruit that they were told not to eat of. And we're going to see the serpent enter the picture and sin and destruction and chaos and brokenness in the world. But before all of that happens, we see that God blessed us. And so the reason that I think that's important, and maybe you're not like me, but let me just kind of get on my soapbox for a second to preach to me, is because when I look back to that time in Scripture, I tend to focus on the fact that humanity kind of messed up the story, and we, we brought sin into the world, and, and we brought the chaos and the brokenness, and so the story is about the sin that is now a part of the world, and Jesus was going to come and, and help redeem all this brokenness that we brought into it, and by we, I mean Adam and Eve and all of us, and and so humanity kind of brought this sin in. And so we need God, Jesus, to, to come and to be the redeemer of all things. 
And that's all true. Nothing that I just said is untrue, but there's more to the story prior to that. And it's the idea that God initially blessed his creation. Now, we have to understand that God is creator. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 2. He is creator, but not just that. What we see in God blessing his people here is that God is also an initiator. Everybody say initiator. Say it one more time because that's a funny word. Initiator. God is an initiator. He is the one that initiates things towards us. We see later in Romans chapter 5, which is in the New Testament. Through the story of Jesus Christ, we see this this scripture here that a lot of us, excuse me, have quoted. We believe this. It's been preached a lot of times. And this is what it says in Romans 5, verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, before we could do anything to receive the salvation, before we had been good enough or done enough good works... Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. God initiated his mercy, his forgiveness toward us through his son, Jesus Christ. So more than the human condition being this sinful and inclined towards evil, though that is a part of us. But more than that, it is created in the image of God for a blessed relationship with its loving creator. That's a big deal. And the reason that I know it's a big deal is because many of us are spinning our wheels as we attempt to live in this we're evil, we're sinful or we're a part of the evil, sinful, broken world trying to accumulate the blessings of the world or the blessings of God. So if blessing comes from God and he initiated it, then what does it really look like? We're going to spend the next few minutes kind of working through a couple of passages here early in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to run through it quickly and then we'll kind of look see what it looks like for us very practically. What is this blessed idea, this, this God blessing us look like. It looks like relationship with God first and foremost. It looks like relationship with God. Genesis chapter three, verse eight says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Have you ever read that verse before? Ever heard that verse before? Some of you have obviously, and there's more to that verse. We'll get to that in a second as well. But The idea that God himself would be walking on earth, looking for his created beings, attempting to connect with them. And he's just walking around. He's just walking with them, walking in the cool of the day. They heard him. There was this idea of this intimate, deep, personal relationship with God that Adam and Eve had access to. And you and I, we desire that, I think, at our, at our core, who we are, we desire this, this eternal uh, relationship with God. Ecclesiastes says that eternity is set in the hearts of man. And so we understand that there's a part of our heart that can only be filled by the eternal, everlasting relationship with God. So God's covenant blessing relationship is kind of manifested through us. It's shown in three ways. And I'm going to turn into this alliteration preacher for a couple of minutes, okay? So all these start with P. So hopefully this might be a little easy for you to remember. But God's covenant blessing relationship looks like three things. We see this in this story of his initial blessing, and we see it continued throughout today. The first thing is that God's blessing toward us shows up in giving us purpose. Giving us a purpose. Genesis 1 and 28 says this. God blessed them and said to them. So we read that earlier. This is what he actually said to them. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 continues and says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So God's purpose that he created for man in this covenant blessed relationship was to give to, to give Adam and Eve purpose, to give mankind purpose, to rule and subdue the earth. Subdue just means to overcome or to bring under control. It, he also said, be fruitful and increase, right? He gave us some productive purpose to be about, to help kind of kind of extend the story of God's relationship with humanity. He said, hey, be fruitful, increase, reproduce, and populate the land. So we're partnering with God for his eternal purpose on the earth. And so he gives us an eternal purpose, more so than just the work that we do with our lives, more so than just going to a nine to five job or or whatever you're you, the way you earn money or you work. Not it's not all bad, but a lot of us, we just go to work. We just do something because it fulfills the specific basic needs of the earth that we need money or we need a job to pay the bills or we have to do something with our time. And so we do that. But what God gave to us in this blessed covenant relationship was not just work. He didn't say, hey, just go do this. He said to Adam, listen, I want you to go and work the land, work that be fruitful and multiply, populate the land, rule and subdue over the earth, be in charge of the things that I have entrusted to you. He gave them a purpose. The second thing that this blessed covenant relationship with God looks like is provision. Second P, the first one was purpose. The second one is provision or he provided for them. Genesis one twenty nine. the next verse that we just read a few minutes ago says, then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. They didn't have to work for food. God had given to them and he put them in a place where the food was right there in front of them. Genesis 2 verses 8 and 9 gives us a little better picture of that in the Garden of Eden. It says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. I want us to look at two quick things right here. He gave them what they needed, right? He gave them food to eat and a place to live and work there in Eden. So he gave them the food. But the second thing he gave, and I I think this is something we miss a lot of times, I know I do, is he gave them something that they wanted. He gave them something pleasurable. Did you notice there in verse 9, it says the trees were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Now that seems like a waste, right? If God was this boorish figure who only gave to us what we needed, what we had to have, he would have just given us, you know, trees for food, right? And it wouldn't have had anything to do with whether it was pleasing to that. He could have given them ugly trees, right? He could have given them ugly trees that didn't fulfill anything. They didn't look at that and go, wow, that's a beautiful tree. Now, I'm not a big nature guy, you know, by and large, some of you are, you just, I mean, you sense the glory of God on a hiking trail somewhere. And when I'm there, I'm thinking, man, I got to walk all the way back to my car from right here. So like I'm halfway at whatever point, I'm always halfway because I got to go back to my car. Right. So, but, but what, I, what I sense here is that maybe Adam and Eve weren't worried about that where the suburban was parked at any point outside. I think they understood that God had given them something that was pleasurable, right? He didn't have to, but he gave them something that was good for food. That was the the productive provision that he gave to them, but also something that was pleasurable in that provision, which I think is important. The third thing. So we got purpose. We've got provision. The third thing is people. Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Again, jumping to chapter 2, this is a little more in-depth what we looked at with Adam was created and now God is looking to uh, help create somebody to, to do life with him. This is in verse 18 and then we'll jump to verse 21. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now we're going to pause for just a second, even though I know the scripture continues. Then what happens in the next couple of verses is that God puts all of the created animals and beings in front of Adam to see if any of them would be a suitable helpmate for him, right? And so uh, Adam's naming the animals. He's doing the work that God's called him to do. And at the end of that process, we see that there's still a longing in Adam's heart or God sees that it's not good for him to still be alone. No one has been a suitable helper for him. And so God creates the greatest creation ever, the woman. Hello. All right. Verse 21. This is what it says. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then, play, and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of me. That's the first pickup line in the Bible. Verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That has no purpose today. I just love that verse. So the, the third thing here, right, is that God gave them purpose. Right? He didn't just give them work to do. He gave them an eternal purpose. I want you to rule and subdue the earth and I want you to be fruitful and increase. I want you to populate this so that the story that I'm writing in the world will have an extended stay here, right? That there's something that I'm trying to do and I want you to be a part of that. The second thing he gave them was provision. He put them in the garden to, to work, but he also in that garden provided for them the food that they would need to eat, right? And that's an incredible thing. But then he says, hey, if you just had purpose and you just had provision, you're going to get lonely. And so there is a need for people and a blessed covenant relationship from God also includes people. It includes relationship. It includes the idea that God says, listen, it's not good for man to be alone. And that's still true today. And I've said for a long time, and this is not a part of the message. This is just kind of out of my heart that the most dangerous place that you can ever be is in this isolated place where you think that no one understands you. No one understands what you're going through. Nobody understands the dilemmas that you're facing, the crisis of your life. You can't talk to anybody. You can't tell anybody because of what they would think about you or how crazy they would think you are. But that, that's the most dangerous place that you can be. We understand that God designed us for relationship. And out of his blessed covenant relationship with us, he provided that for us. And out of this, he gave them a sense of belonging, a togetherness, a relational uh, identity with one another that, that still exists today. And this is not just about marriage and covenant relationship there, but it is exemplified according to the book of Ephesians that we see that this relationship with man and woman, what Adam was quoting there, is the idea that they would come together and they would be the embodiment of Christ and his church. And so the blessed covenant relationship is expressed most vis visibly here in Genesis chapter 1 through giving us purpose, provision, and people. And that's a need for all of humanity. I mean, we see people, maybe you're like this, but we, we definitely know people that they're, again, they're kind of spinning their wheels in life because they lack purpose. Or maybe they lack, lack specific provision or they lack relational, the, the, the people in their lives. And so they're, they're kind of, they're looking, they're searching, they're in this constant search for either purpose provision or people in their lives. And what we understand from Genesis chapter one is that God created these things, right? And God provided these things. 
for humanity. And that is so key for us. So let's look at a couple of quick things here to finish up this section of what we want to talk about today. About how sin did help to break that covenant. To break that blessed relationship that now we're kind of fighting against that. When sin entered the world, when, when Eve believed the serpent and ate the fruit, and then she convinced her husband to eat the fruit as well, now sin has entered the world. There's a brokenness to that covenant relationship, and we see that expressed most clearly in the verse that we just read in Genesis 3, verse 8. Let's, let's read the first part again and then continue reading. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's where we stopped a minute ago. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid. There was a brokenness now. We're going to talk about why, but they're now ashamed. There's something they sense that, man, there's a break now in this ongoing, free-flowing, natural blessed covenant relationship. We also see that there's a broken purpose. God had given them a specific, pleasurable purpose to be fruitful and increase and to rule and subdue the earth. And this is what he says to the woman and then to the man about how that would change because of sin. Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19 say this. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Verse 17 to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until your your return to the ground since that's where you were taken. For, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So we see this, this different picture here. It's not just the purpose of ruling and subduing the earth, and it's not just this picture of, hey, we want you to be fruitful and increase the, the population of the earth, and let this be this, this great part of the purpose that I created for, you, for created you for, right? Now he's saying, listen, even that, the being fruitful and multiplying women, that's going to be a painful experience for you. Ruling and subduing the earth, men, that's going to be a painful experience for you. It's not just going to be that you get to just have this incredible purpose when you go to work. But now there's a, there's a heaviness to that because now you're, you're working. Maybe you don't work in the ground. Maybe you work in a cubicle. But it's the same idea here. That it's no longer this pleasurable, purpose-filled thing because of sin. Because of the brokenness of the blessed covenant relationship that God had given this just pure idea of purpose. And now because of sin, there's a brokenness there to that purpose. We see broken provision in the same, uh, same passage we just read. That God had blessed them with the, the trees. He said, hey, the trees that you need for food, they're right in front of you. And now what he's saying is to Adam, you're going to have to work the ground for your food. The provision that I gave to you as a part of our blessed covenant relationship, now you're going to have to work the ground for the things that you need to eat and the provision that I've given to you. There's a brokenness in relationship through broken people In Genesis chapter 3, it says, Then the eyes of both of them, both Adam and Eve, were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. There was a shame there, a separation of purity between this relationship. We now see that there's an inequality according to to verse 16 of chapter 3, where it says that man is to rule over woman, and so there's an inequality that exists now. In the broken covenant relationship, we see that God cursed the serpent, In verse 15, and he cursed the ground in verse 17 of chapter 3. He never cursed Adam and Eve. That's key for us today before we leave to know that God did not curse mankind because of their sinfulness. He cursed the deceiver and he cursed the created ground that they would work and be a part of. 
but he did not curse them. And so what does this look like practically? I know we just read a ton of scripture. And if you didn't catch it all, you can go back and listen on the podcast. When you do, make sure you catch Pastor Justin's message from last week. It was incredible. It's on the podcast. But listen, you can go back and listen to that and just catch all those scriptures. But what does it look like practically for us today? What does this blessed covenant relationship with God look like? Because there's a tension of living blessed in a broken world. I want to read one more scripture. It's from Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. I want us to talk about this idea for just a moment. Justin and Danielle are going to come as we read this. This is what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is the one who does fill in the blank. There's two ideas of blessing. There's actually several more, but two that I want us to look at as we close. This passage here in Psalm chapter 1, the word blessed there could also be translated happy. Happy is the one who does, right? And we see that there are other places in Scripture. We're going to look at them in about three or four weeks. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5 and look at the Beatitudes where it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. We're going to look at all those. And sometimes those phrases can be translated not just blessed, but happy. And this passage here in Psalm chapter 1, we see this word blessed is the word, and I'm going to butcher this in the Hebrew because I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but this word is kind of translated as the word Asher or Esher, right? The word blessed that we saw in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, was a different word, Barak. Not Barack Obama, different Barak, but it's the word Barak, right? And so we've got these two ideas of blessing. Genesis chapter 1, we have Barak. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to initiate blessing toward you when you can do nothing to earn that blessing. Psalm chapter 1 and in a number of other places throughout scripture we see this idea of Asher or Esher and we see that blessed is the one who does something. So there is a response on our part. There's, a, there's an initiation on our part where we do something and in response to that we get this Asher blessing. Right? We get this idea that I'm going to be blessed because I do something. And a lot of us, that's where we spend our time. We say, I'm going to be blessed because I'm going to work hard this year. And you should work hard. But you say, I'm going to be blessed because I'm going to work smarter. And you should work smarter. You say, I'm going to be blessed because I'm going to do better with my finances. I'm going to save more and spend less. You should do those things. We say, I'm going to be blessed because I'm going to take better care of my body. You should do those things. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise more. Whatever that looks like for you, you should do those things. Those are all key, kind of wise things to do. But understand that this kind of blessing is different from the initial blessing that God gave to us in Genesis chapter 1. God did not give us a blessing that we earned through doing something for Him. He didn't give us a blessing that we earned because we were smart enough or skilled enough or talented enough or righteous enough. We had done enough things. We'd gone to church enough. We had quoted enough scripture. We went to Sunday school. We gave in the offering. No. Before we had the opportunity to do any of those things in Genesis 1.28, God created us. And before we inhabited the earth, God said, I bless them. Blessed are my people. Before they do anything, good or bad, before they eat of the fruit that they shouldn't eat of and bring sin and brokenness into the story and cause this story to now look towards the Redeemer, the Son of God to come to earth. Before they do that, or before that, before Adam does the actual eternal purpose that I've called him to, and he he, he names the animals and he, he works the garden and he does all these good things, before he does good or bad, I'm going to bless him. I am initiating blessing. Psalm 1-1, here this idea is I'm going to do something to earn God's blessing. My fear is that that's where most of us spend our time and not just His blessing. 
We spend a lot of our time trying to earn God's love. We spend a lot of our time trying to earn God's forgiveness. We spend a lot of our time trying to earn God's mercy and his grace and his acceptance because we're conditioned in this world to live in relationships that are conditional. That says, hey, as long as you continue to meet the specific conditions of my of our relationship, I'll continue to feel this certain way about you. I say I love you now because of the way you make me feel or the things that you contribute to our home or to our relationship. But if, if you ever quit doing any of those things, I'm going to quit loving you. And there's brokenness in our relationship. We see these superficial types of relationships where there's conditional acceptance, conditional love, conditional blessing. Some of our blessing here on earth in this instance is based on the fact that we have a good job. But what happens if we lose that job like some of you have experienced? What happens if we they decrease our hours or decrease our pay or they start to lay people off in the company? Are we less blessed? Are we less blessed by God because of a condition that used to exist in our life but no longer exists? I would say no. Because I would say that in the beginning, when God was creating all that we can see, when he was creating you and me, he looked at us before we had the ability to do anything in response to him. And he said, I bless them. God has always initiated. God's always been first. God's always been first in your life. You may not know that. You may not think that. You may not realize that fully. 1 John chapter 4. I think this is going to be up on the screen. But if not, 1 John chapter 4 says that we love God. Why? Because He first loved us. Our love for God and to God is a response to Him loving us first. We read Romans chapter 5 that says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He initiated the act that would save us from our sin while we were still in sin. Think about that. We've been conditioned to think that we have to be these good and holy and righteous people before we can ever approach the loving Heavenly Father. When really it's exactly the opposite. He desires for us to come to Him in our sinful, broken state. Because that's when he initiated the work that was needed for our salvation. Before we could work hard enough or smart enough, before we had the good job, before we made a certain amount of money, before we got on a budget, before we went on the diet, before we were more loving to our wife and kids or our husband and our kids, before we did any of the things that we think we have to do to earn the blessings of God, God looked at his created beings and said, Unconditionally, I bless you. Blessing you looks like relationship with me. In that relationship, you're going to find purpose. You're going to find provision. You're going to find people. There's an eternal purpose that exists when you seek me. There is a provision that you can't create on your own when you seek me. There are people that will enter your lives when you seek me. It's not about your efforts, your abilities. It's about seeking him first. He initiated blessing. He initiated love. He initiated forgiveness. He initiated mercy. He initiated grace before you could do anything to earn it. 
We're going to prepare today to take communion. We're going to ask our hosts to be prepared to come on now and wait on you. As they come, we're going to, you're going to receive, there are going to be two trays that pass. One will have some cups of juice in them. Another will be a tray that has some uh, wafers, some bread, kind of cracker wafers in there. I'm going to ask you to take one of each. I'm going to ask you just to hold them in your hand. We're going to come back in just a moment, talk about what this moment represents. We'll pray. We'll take of communion together. As, As they're distributing the elements, Justin and Danielle are going to lead us in a song. Let me just pray for this holy, sacred moment. I'm going to ask if you would just to try to cut out any distractions, any moving around just for the next few moments. As we just enter into this really sacred response to what we understand is God initiating to us his blessing and and making himself available in relationship. God, we thank you so much for all that you are and all that you've done. And God, my prayer is that we wouldn't seek specific blessing. We wouldn't seek specific things from you. We would seek you first and foremost. Seek relationship with you. And that God, as we seek you, we find you. That's what your word tells us. And we seek you with all of our heart. And God, when we find you, we find purpose and provision. We find people. We find relationships. We also find your son, Jesus Christ, who is the redeemer of all things broken in this earth. And so no matter what we came in with this morning, no matter how broken we may be, or no matter how whole you've made us to this point, would you allow us to receive these elements and hold them in our hand and understand that we are holding your son, the redeemer of all things, a part of your blessed covenant relationship with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hold the elements and we'll take together in just a moment. As you hold these elements in your hand, it's important for us to remember what they represent. Jesus had walked the earth and taught and done miracles. He was about to go to the cross and he was having his last meal together with his closest followers. They were there in relationship one another and you and I have a context that they didn't have in that moment I mean he was about to lay out for them the plan of salvation he was about to explain to them the cross they had no idea what he was talking about I mean they were trying they were trying to get it God bless the disciples they were always trying to get it and always falling a little bit short but you and I we know the story we've read the story We know that when he talks about his body being broken and his blood being spilled out, we understand what that looks like because we've seen the pictures. We've seen the movies. We've seen it done in Easter productions. And we know what that looks like that Jesus, the Son of God, went to the cross for our salvation. But the important thing for you and I to understand today is that even though we know the story, Even though we have a greater sense of context than even the disciples did in that moment, we're now on the hook for the message. We're on the hook. We're on the hook to the idea that God initiated this. Before you could work hard enough to earn it, before you could do enough good deeds, before you could attend church enough or give enough to the church or work in outreach enough, before you could do any of that, Jesus broke bread And drank the cup with his disciples to express to them the cross and salvation. And he said, listen, the father initiated this before you could do anything to earn it. He desires for you to be in a blessed covenant relationship with him. And because of that, I got to go to the cross. I got to go to the cross. 
And guess what? You and I have to go to the cross as well. We've got to die to ourselves. We've got to die to our sinful desires and nature. We've got to put away the things that don't reflect the glory and beauty of God. And so as we take part in communion today, my encouragement to all of us, from those that have been walking with the Lord a really long time to those that this may be still a really new thing, is that when we explain these elements in a moment, you understand that this is more than some just figurative replay of some old ancient historical story. This is the physical embodiment of the creator God initiating a blessing relationship with you. When Jesus was sitting with his disciples, trying to explain it to them, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's take and eat together today. said that in like manner he took the cup he said this is my blood the new covenant spilled out for you this is the blood that forgives sins it's the blood that heals sickness it's the blood that represents the covenant relationship we have access to with the father let's take and drink today God My prayer today for every single person in this room is that somehow, even though we have all been conditioned to the ways of this world, that we have to earn our keep and earn love and earn acceptance and earn blessing, that God, we would see you as the initiator of all things, that you move first. You love first. You forgive first. You accept first. You give grace and mercy first. You bless first. And now we are left to respond in kind. This is God, the ultimate reality is that you blessed us before we could bless you. You blessed us before we could lift our hands in worship, before we could sing the first song, read or memorize the first verse. Attend the first church event. Give the first dollar. Pray the first prayer. You blessed first. You loved first. You forgave first. Recondition our hearts to that reality. Help us to lean into a pure, non-conditional relationship with you. Break in our hearts anything that makes us think we have to earn your love or work for your love. God, help us to understand that you just love us. You loved us when we were dirty and broken and sinful. You blessed us when we could do nothing in return. God, break our hearts. Mend it back together in your hands. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would say today, Jeremy, I have been living outside of a relationship with God. I've been doing it my own way. I've been attempting to live through my own efforts and my own desires. I've been trying to fix it and do it and earn it. 
Maybe it's a, about a lot of sin issues or habits or addictions. Maybe that's what it is for you. Maybe it's just being your own Lord, being your own Savior. I, I'm, I'm good for all this. Guess what? You're never going to find that eternal purpose, provision, people, relationships that you desire. You're going to be left wanting. And so today, if you would say to me, Jeremy, I need to ask God into my life. I need to enter into a blessed relationship with him. I need to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need to acknowledge that I've done it my own way and I haven't accepted him and allowed him to lead and guide and direct me. And today I want to do that. Would you lift your hand and put them right back down? Thank you. You can drop them right back down. Several hands. Anybody else? Say, I just, I need God to be my savior today. I need him to be the Lord of my life. And now if you would say to me, you know, Jeremy, I'm saved, I'm a believer, but I've been trying to earn God's love. I've been trying to earn his blessing. And I just want to find a way to rest in relationship with him. I just want to lean into him. If what you're saying is true, I just desire to just rest in relationship with God. Would you lift your hand? Thank you so much. You can put them right back down. God, one last closing prayer. We just pray for those who have lifted their hands today. Those that acknowledge that they need you in their life, need you to lead and guide and direct them. God, would you do that? Would you help them in this moment to understand that it's not the specific words that they pray or that I'm praying now, but that they are acknowledging you with their heart, with their life, a need for you to be Lord and Savior of who they are. And God, allow them to live for you in ways that honor you, not to earn their keep, not to earn forgiveness, but God, to be a part of a covenant relationship with you. Those that lifted their hands and said, I don't want to try to earn anything anymore. I just want to rest in the presence and the relationship with God. Would you allow them to do that as well? And God, when we all leave this place today, help us to be better equipped to live blessed That it's not about working harder or smarter in this world because we understand that this world is not what it's about. But God, we would lean into relationship with you. That we would understand that you are a God who initiates and that you blessed us before we could bless you. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray.